Welcome to Sustainability is My Kink podcast. Each week, we dive into different topics surrounding longevity and happiness. We'll discuss research and statistics on how to create a sustainable and well-rounded life with me, your host, Dasha. Each week, I'll have a special guest co-host, depending on the topic. Please follow us on Instagram at sustainabilityismykinkpod and on Patreon if you would like to participate in a donation to get us up and running. And check out our website and blog at www sustainabilitykink.com. Hope you enjoy. So it's been a very long time since I did this podcast. And um, I mean, I plead the fifth. I don't know. I was like very overwhelmed. And anybody that is kind of finding their way through um, being more sustainable or finding stuff about the earth and following these like health blogs and all this stuff or like vegan blogs. It's like, it can just be a lot. It's kind of like going on Pornhub on like a big screen TV where all these like different things are just coming at you. And I think I was just really overwhelmed by that. I think it's, I, and the thing is like, I can really respect a blog, like the co-host that I have tonight where she can make it really lighthearted and it doesn't have to make you feel horrible because I think that can be counterproductive. Anyway, I'm just explaining why it's been a really long time for me to come back to this podcast and I love it. And I'm so happy that I have followers and people that support me and I want you guys to keep learning about this stuff with me, but I had to take a little bit of a break. And especially with like all the things that are going on right now, I just felt like I have the time and I have the resources and I have this great co-host who literally today I was like, let's, you know, let's do a podcast. Let's like do a little mini series about like what you were just asking your followers. And that podcast co-host, her name is Ariel and her account is go green, save green on Instagram. One of my favorites, um, She's been a co-host on my show like so many times, and today we have a very special co-co-host named Martin, who's her boyfriend, and they've been quarantining together. Um, so say hello. Hola. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's always fun to be on here. We have our wine, our White Claw, our beer. We got it all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm drinking White Claw raspberry. Um you guys are drinking, Ariel, you said you're drinking, like, wine that you had yesterday, too? I'm drinking boxed wine. Yeah. <laughs> That's the way. And then Big Wave uh, Golden Ale. Yeah. Oh, my God. Love that. Love that. Love that. Mm-hmm. Um, is Big Wave, like, Hawaiian what? Hawaiian beer? I love I those guys. I think that's just marketing. Really? But it's delicious, yeah. I, I'm not too sure. I don't... I think they are. I think they were actually Hawaiian, like, beer. I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, I used to love their beer. And they have, like, another one that's, like, Big Kahuna, I want to say. The green one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Something. Yeah, they're bottled in Kona, Hawaii. Oh, I didn't know yeah. that. I, I never believe labels. <laughs> um. Anyway, thank you guys so much for joining me. You guys are so awesome, especially because I literally texted you, like, 30 minutes ago and I was like should we do this fucking episode or not because <laughs> Ariel you um put something on your Instagram and you were just kind of asking your followers like what do you guys want to learn more about right yeah I basically recently did like a revamp of my page and so I was like 
uh, being more intentful with my content. And so I was like, yeah, what do you guys want to learn about? And then you saw my question and you were like, what did they say? Let's talk about it. And I was like, yeah, cool. (laughs) And I have to like, I know I've already said it, but I have to reiterate the fact that like you are one of the accounts that just, I don't know, like when I, when I see your stories and like the facts that you post and like things that you're talking about, like it's all like, it makes me feel good. It makes me feel like I'm part of a cause that is thriving and getting along really well. And like, there's a lot of support and all this stuff. And like, I'm just honestly, I've I, it like brings me a lot of stress to go on Instagram now. And like, and, and the only Instagram account I have is like the podcast one. And every time I'm on there, I'm just, I'm almost like avoiding my feed because like, I've just, the friends that I'm really close with, which is like maybe three or four people, they send me like funny memes about quarantine. And you obviously post a lot of funny stuff about quarantine, but like, I'll like avoid my feed because it's just like, you know, like pictures of like dead animals or whatever. And it like hurts my heart. And I just don't think that's productive in a way. So like, I I also want to just say that as like a person that cares about sustainability. I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but that's personally why I've, I've almost like been crippled to like restart the podcast. Cause I'm just like, Oh my God, I just, I need a, you know, kind of a break or whatever. Yeah, I had to take, like, a two-week break from posting, and I was just like, okay, I gotta, like, turn all this off, I gotta focus my energy on my art, because for those of you who don't know, I'm also a sculptural artist in real life, Um, so yeah, I just kind of focused on that, and when I came back, I was like, refresh. Yeah, and what's your, uh, if you want to share, what's your, like, personal account for your sculptural art, because I love, I actually love your personal account, it's really sweet and, like, heartfelt and just always good vibes with you, you know? Yeah, thanks, Uh, yeah, it's at underscore Ariel Aurora underscore, so at underscore A-R-I-E-L a-U-R-O-R-A underscore. Okay, <laughs> my perfect. first and middle name. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so glad. And um, I'm going to post that on my website, which mm-hmm. literally has, like, dust on it. <laughs> <laughs> Blow off the dust. <laughs> yeah. Blow off the dust and post the notes for today's session. But, um, yeah, anyway, so, uh, so just getting back into it, I want to just do a quick reply to one of your questions that you had on your Instagram, which was, um, I think how to save the butterflies, right? Someone wanted to learn how to save the butterflies. Yeah. And I think that's really interesting. Like how I, I literally have never heard of that. How stupid am I? I don't know. I, I mean, it makes sense. People want to know how to save the bees and like the butterflies are also, yeah. And I think more people like butterflies than bees. So I guess it makes sense. But yeah, I didn't really think about that too much either. Yeah. And is it specifically the monarchs? No, just butterflies. Just butterflies. Yeah. Okay. And I know monarchs are endangered. So I think that's what I read also. Um, So we have 10 amazing facts about the monarch butterfly. Um, The adult female monarch butterfly lays tiny eggs covered in a sticky substance on the underside of milkweed leaves, which are extremely toxic. The caterpillar hatches from its egg several days later and survives in these milkweed leaves. So um, that's like definitely a mood for a butterfly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'll go next. The monarch 
caterpillar and adult butterfly retain the poison from milkweed milkweed leaves in its body and it protects it from being eaten by predators i had no idea that milkweed was poisonous no idea either i don't need i literally before we researched this like 20 minutes ago i had no idea that milkweed was a poisonous i didn't even know what milkweed was and then i didn't know that it is the number one plant where monarchs lay their eggs for this specific person or purpose to like um you know get the poison to protect them from predators it's amazing do we happen to know where milkweed grows or yeah like where is it native to you know i kind of wonder about that uh that is a really good question let's we can google that right now you know yeah google that and i remember from when i was a kid I think there were, like, monarch butterfly, like, gardens, and I was living in California, like, northern California, Mm -hmm. and I want to say, like, Monterey has, like, a lot of, like, monarch butterflies. It just says that milkweed is uh, native to California, Hmm. or not California, North America, my bad, so, um, yeah, so it's all over North America. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, usually yeah. at what least one milkweed species found naturally in your area. Interesting. Oh. So there's multiple types. Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, Martin, okay. do you want to take three? Yeah, so going on to the next one. Every spring, adult monarch butterflies head north from their winter respite in the southern forests of Mexico and California and return in the fall. A journey some 2,000 to 3,000 miles each way. So it's quite a journey. Yeah, I didn't even know they know how to fly that far. That's a long way. I don't think Have I've... you seen a monarch cluster? I've I... never in person. Oh, it was amazing. Like, on the freeway, I remember one time. It, it, it looks scary. But it's just, like, these dots you see, and then, sadly, some of them hit your car as you're going. But it's just, like, <laughs> they're just flying across <laughs> in a bunch I've been in one of those. I've been That's in a so like a, a migrating beehive. I've been in one. That's terrifying. That's so <laughs> wild. I feel like I've only seen like sparrows. I want to say like in Italy where they cluster super close and they like just they're they look insane when they're like tornadoing like above the city. But um, yeah, I mean, I had no idea that up to. Th- 3,000 miles? Like, for a fucking butterfly? What is 3,000 miles? Like, from here to, um... I don't know. I, I literally don't know. <laughs> Where do you, I kind of want to... San Diego? Is that yeah. accurate? I have no, no. idea. No. Here to San Diego? Oh, no, she's in Seattle. Oh, no, I'm... I'm yeah. oh, okay, I was like, no! Like, yeah, okay. Makes sense now. Yeah. Monarch butterfly. They're... Where are they? They go from... Oh, from, I guess, Mexico to Canada? That's like their Baja yeah. California trip. Well, they, they'll go from Canada <laughs> to the U.S. and then Mexico. Or, they, like, Canada, upper north U.S., and then come down to Mexico. So, basically, from Canada to Mexico is where they travel. I can definitely relate to that. I've, I, like, lived in Seattle for two years. Went and lived in... Well, hold on. I lived in San Francisco for, like... Five years, went up to Seattle, lived there for two years, went back to San Francisco for a year, and then um, lived down in L.A. for a year. And that's when I met wonderful, amazing Ariel. And then I moved back to Seattle for two years. And I probably will make my way back down the coast. I'm just following the monarchs. Yeah. Ask, you want to go with number four? 
Me? No. Oh. <laughs> you just went. I can go again. Um. Okay. On the, on the yeah yeah. <laughs> the monarch butterfly will continue to feed, fly, and reproduce throughout the U.S. and southern Canada for several generations. It is the fourth generation of monarch butterflies that actually migrate to Mexico in the fall. That's so sad that the ones that leave Canada don't make it to Mexico. Fourth generation? Mm. I haven't been to Mexico. I can't, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, wait, is that is that what it means? Yeah, mm-hmm. it means that, like, Four generations. That means between Canada to the to Mexico. Your great grandson. Your great grandfather started. No, your great great grandfather started. Yeah. Your great grandfather. Wait, no. Would it be? You if, were in Mexico, and if then, I made it yeah. to Mexico. Your great. My mom didn't. My grandpa didn't, and my great grandpa yeah. started the journey. Yeah. That's kind of incredible. Yeah. Kind of sad also. It's like tag team with the family. All right, go the yeah. rest of the way. <laughs> it is. No, it's like actually it's. It, yeah, for sure. It's sad, but it kind of makes me think of like, you know, when like America was settled, it's like these generations of people and like how we talk about generations and like um, it's it's just funny to think about it in such a short time period. But mm-hmm. for us, it feels short. But I wonder if like other species on the planet feel like we're short. You know yeah. what I mean? I don't tortoises. know. Yeah, tortoise. Tor- like tortoises. Tortoise. Yeah. Oh my god, I totally thought the same thing. Like tortoises, they last fucking forever. Monarch butterflies travel as much as 100 miles a day during their 3,000 mile migration. Oh my gosh, so they're like south. going for 30 days? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, it's 30 days. Yeah, that's intense. I can barely want to run a mile anymore. <laughs> and that's kind of, and also, I actually same, but like, I can barely like, no, it was okay. So I've told this, per, like, I've told this story to like everyone I've talked to recently. Like, I'm so out of shape because of quarantine. I just haven't gone out or like mm. done any exercise or whatever. And like, my mom called me the other day and she was like, why are you out of breath? And I was like, I was putting the pillows back on my couch. <laughs> That's so sad. Yeah, that's like so sad. I would not make it in like the monarch butterfly like community. That's that's like no a lot to that. fucking maintain for thirty days, a hundred miles a day. Fuck off. I would not yeah. do that. During its migration, each butterfly relies on the huge volume of food it ate when it was a caterpillar for fuel. <laughs> so it just like packed on the carbs. <laughs> Yeah. What's it called again when you work out like that? It's a uh, bulking, bulking, oh, yeah, bulking yeah. season. <laughs> yeah. And I just so imagine sure. like the Bugs Life caterpillar too. No. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, I've definitely done that. Where, I mean. Carb-loaded? Before go, I go I, on the trip to, to I would work. I say that, like, all of quarantine is my carb-loading time, yeah. personally. So, hopefully I'll, I'll make the migration afterwards. Um, monarchs smell with their antennae. Nectar and water are tasted by the sensory hairs on their legs and feet. I eat with my legs, too. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> Martin, I want a photo of that and I'm going to put it on the blog. <laughs> I'm eating your legs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, why not? You know, 
Yeah. Monarch butterflies cannot bite and drink through a long tongue called a pro- proboscis. Mm-hmm. P-R-O-B-O-S-C-I-S, in case any followers know the word. I think it's pronounced proboscis, but please mm-hmm. let us know if it's not. Um, yeah. That work like an eyedropper drawing up nectar. Like a retractable garden hose, the tongue coils up under the lower lip when not in use. Huh. That's cute. That's nice. I imagine like an elephant tusk getting rolled up. Totally. Oh, my God. I thought the same thing. Oh, one of those yeah, party yeah. favors. Oh, yeah. Those like little party favors you blow and they like unroll. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. All right. Dasha's turn. Oh, I'm Dasha. jumping in the gun. My bad. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited it's about these butterflies. Fine. I think it's Martin's turn. Oh, it is your turn. Oh, <laughs> See? Damn, okay. Ariel. About the I'm paying attention. <laughs> Once the monarch butterfly is hatched, it only lives for approximately two to six weeks. Ah, dang. That's sad. That's yeah. real sad. Like, what's the point? Am I, I mean, right? You gotta make I don't the best know. of it. It's like day two YOLO. I get <laughs> <laughs> day two yolo <laughs> um life is short they gotta live it up maybe that's why they're going all the way to mexico because they're like we just gotta go they got no time to waste they have no time to waste yeah i don't know like i don't like the i don't know if we should do a fucking part two now i'm like really intrigued about monarch butterflies and i'm like like do they have a point I'm sure they serve some sort of point to, like, the environment. But, like, what the fuck's the point if you're going to live two to six weeks? Jesus. I don't know if they count as pollinators or not. I don't yeah, know. That's what better. I'm saying. It's like, you know, like, yeah. bees obviously are, like, literally, they count for all of the environment. But, like, monarch butterflies? I don't know. Are monarch. Not to be, like, obtuse to them. But, you know. Aren't monarch butterflies uh, important? <laughs> we can Google it. I mean, we can easily live research on the podcast. Let's just uh, let's yeah, they do. They pollinate many types of wildflowers. Oh, I shit. think so. Okay, never mind. Can we just like exterminate mosquitoes though? On that note, like they serve <laughs> no purpose and they don't pollinate. I don't think they do. We should do a mosquito episode. Fuck those guys. Right. Yeah. Mm-mm. And they're not even like nice to look at. They, so, they don't even sound nice either. Yeah. They good. sound like ass. So, yeah. Um, okay. The monarch butterfly's bright colors serve as a warning to predators that they are poisonous and uh, they should attack at their own risk. I love that. It's like the, you know what it makes me think of is like the, the colored frogs in the Amazon that are like super, super poisonous, but like really, really pretty with like the different designs and stuff. Yes. Kind of weird reverse psychology. It's like I'm dangerous. Don't eat me. But eat it's me. like you're calling. Usually some like camouflage, but these are like anti-camouflage. Yeah, exactly. That is kind of interesting. Yeah, it makes me think of like really hot girls that are like, like. Oh, you know. I don't they know why. They're crazy. Don't even <laughs> ask me why. But like, I immediately thought of Christina Hendricks. Oh my god. Okay. Right, and I was like. She, she, in my opinion, is, like, the hottest woman on earth. And, like, she's so bright colored, like, with her hair and whatever. I wonder if she's poisonous. I mean, she could. I feel like. She Toxic? Could, <laughs> she could probably give you a roundhouse kick. Maybe she's not poisonous, but. <laughs> oh, a roundhouse <laughs> kick is very toxic to my face. 
<laughs> yeah, it's so toxic. Um, okay, so anyway, so here we come to like what your follower asked, and it was eight ways to present or prevent um, like the monarch butterfly extinction, basically. Yeah. I mean, that's very specific. I think they just asked how to save them, but we can go with that, too. <laughs> I am jealous. <laughs> yeah, they're like, I want eight ways, Ariel. No more, no less. Eight. <laughs> Better work. Yeah. You're like, if you put nine on here, I'm unfollowing. Yeah. <laughs> too much information. Yeah. Um, so the number one is don't use pesticides in your own garden. This makes me wonder if you could take it uh, sort of a step further and eat food that doesn't have pesticides in it. Like I want, like, organic, you, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Organic. Like organic, like does organic food affect monarch butterflies? I've heard of this thing called companion planting where basically like, say you have one plant that attracts like a pest, right? Let's just like, flower A attracts a pest, but you don't want to put pesticides on flower A because you know monarchs eat it, say it's milkweed. You can plant something else. There's like, I know garlic repels a lot of bugs. So you just plant that plant that the bugs don't like next to the one they do like. Right, 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 right. Yeah, that's amazing. I love reading stuff like that. I'm just like so fascinated by it because it's almost like a puzzle piece. You have to like connect these plants that are going to work with these like little weeds on the side and whatever. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Okay. Anyway, I mean, we don't, I don't know anything about monarchs. This is really eye opening in and of itself, but if somebody knows about like, does in fact organic food affect that or whatever, you know, just email. Yeah. You want to go next? Uh, number two, avoid genetically engineered foods. I mean, GMOs are already bad enough. Yeah. I mean, butterfly, butterfly is like an extra... Extra motivation. Yeah. Okay, so I might sound stupid, but I haven't done an episode. And Martin, I know you're new to the podcast, but the reason I'm doing this podcast is because I don't know shit about shit. And like, I'm trying to find out more information based on all the episodes that I do. So I actually don't know a lot about genetically engineered foods. Like I'll try to have as much organic stuff as I can have, but I don't know if that's the same thing or whatever. Do you know enough or want to talk about it or give a little insight on that? I don't really, I'm not. I I, actually know a little bit. Oh yeah. You probably know more than me. I just know like. (laughs) Ariel knows everything. (laughs) Yeah. I know I eat GMOs, but it's not like a, you know, mm-hmm. I don't promote the cultivation, production, and agenda of GMOs, though. I know they're bad. So, um, GMOs, they basically mean that, like, uh, you're changing the DNA of that plant or vegetable a little bit. So, like, mm-hmm. some of them, it's, like, seedless watermelon, right? Like, you're never going to find okay. seedless watermelon in the wild, but you can make it so that watermelon don't have seeds. Or, like, what they might also do is, like, change it so that like tomatoes or something they can make it so the tomato grows like a little bit bigger or so that a plant produces more fruit so that way you don't have to use as much land to get that Mm -hmm. fruit so like if an apple tree normally has like 100 apples or whatever you can genetically modify it so that it has like 150 don't use those exact numbers but you can but i i love the examples because they're so easy to understand yeah and so 
uh-huh. a lot of people have issues with GMOs because you don't know if anything else is being modified or stuff like that. Yeah, so I'm not, I'm not an expert by any stretch of it. I just know a little teeny bit about it. Um, and that's kind of on a basic level, like what it is. Um, yeah. You mess I with would, nature, it's going to fight back somehow. Yeah, I would recommend doing your own research and not just going off of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely don't. I mean, everything I'm saying is speculation. I mean, I have people like you guys that probably know way more than me, but I, the literally the purpose of this podcast is because I don't know shit and like I want to learn shit. Yeah. So, but that's so interesting. And like, and then, like in one regard, I feel like I don't have a problem with that. Like, you know, if we can make it easier, then why not? But at the same time, like, do we really know the long-term effects of GMOs then? You know? Yeah. Number three, plant native milkweed. So uh, apparently milkweed grows all over North America. So Wherever you are in North America, you got to figure out what is the milkweed that is native to your area and plant that. I like that. Is it, I, I always forget the order. Is it Martin's turn or is it my turn? I think we messed up. I think but... it's, it's your turn. Okay. she went, then you did number two and I did number three. Oh. Now it's Dasha's turn. Okay. <laughs> so the other thing is, um you can create a monarch waste station. And when Ariel and I were doing these notes, we were like, what the fuck is that? Um, And so we looked it up and I think Ariel has a lot of insight, like way more than I do. How to make a a monarch waste station. I'll give you guys the quick two minute version of it. Basically a monarch waste station is um, like, a safe haven for monarch butterflies and you can actually get them certified. You can actually get your garden certified as a monarch waste station at monarchwatch.org. And if that happens, that basically means that your garden has met the criteria for food, shelter, breeding grounds, all that stuff, basically like heaven for monarch butterflies and that you're not putting pesticides and that your gardening and all that is good, good for the monarchs. Um, that means that you're, planting milkweed and you're planting different types of milkweed it means that you're planting plants that have nectar so that they have something to eat as well um it means that you're having yeah sustainable gardening practices so that means uh no pesticides that means going through your garden and removing dead stalks that means that you are watering them um taking care of them mulching you know all that good stuff that comes with gardening. And then to certify it, basically you go to that website called monarchwatch.com.org and then they'll have a form for you to like print out and then you fill it out online. You send it to them. They, you know, check out everything you filled out and you get, um, you get certified. And if you pay a little bit extra, then they'll even send you a sign that says, uh, monarch way station so you get like it looks like one of those park like no parking signs it looks like super official it's like oh, green and it's got butterflies and leaves and flowers on it yeah it's cool that is literally goals for 2021 because 2020 is a waste but like that would be amazing mm-hmm. and i wonder if i wonder if they do it like when they're certifying people i wonder like 
in Seattle, it just gets really, really cold here. So I wonder if it's like, even though it's North America that has the monarch butterfly, like, you know, way stations, mm-hmm. um, if it's like certain areas or whatever, because like, I feel like because of the migration that we talked about earlier, they're not so much in the north in the wintertime. But maybe it doesn't matter because, like, if you have that way station in the summertime, they come back and, like, whatever. Yeah, it's just a safe place for them to stop by Mm -hmm. as they're traveling. All right. That was nice. That was super nice. Well done. Yeah, Um, I'll pick number five because that's all me. Hell yeah. Join the fight against climate change. Yes. So help fight. Ah, Rewind. Join the fight. Let me restart that part over again. (laughs) I just got tongue-tied. I'll take the next one. Number five. Join the fight to stop climate change. Yes. My Instagram account, Go Green Save Green, literally made to help you out with that uh, that part of helping save monarch butterflies. Just yes. eco-friendly. That's it. Oh, my God. That's the tip. <laughs> the least thousand percent. And I think it's also, like, I think it's really nice that your followers are giving you feedback and you also, like, prompt your followers to give you feedback about, like, what they want to learn because there is endless shit to learn. And if if we could even get, like, the attention of, like, just a group of, like, ten people that are sort of interested in, like, one same topic, that would be a win for climate change, I think, you know? yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's Martin. <laughs> yeah, Martin. I'll go next. Uh, okay, go back to the thing. Sorry. Yeah, so a little bit of backstory is okay. Martin, my boyfriend, is a woodworker. So I, I do sculpture, he does wood. <laughs> so he's the person to deliver the next one. So yeah, I'm a furniture maker. Um, and I'm heavily invested in do, having an eco friendly studio practice. So number six. Uh, I can understand. So number six is you use F. Oh, we did. We did. The, is it FCS? Because we did FCS. Sorry. Yeah, FCS. But F- FCS. Oh, FSC. Okay, no, that's wrong. Okay, sorry. So start over again. <laughs> no right. worries. No worries. So uh, I'm a furniture maker, and so number six is something I can talk to talk about, which is use FSC certified wood which in its simplified form is fair trade, but for the wood industry. And so the actual definition is... FSC certified means that the wood used in the product and the manufacturer met the requirements of the Forest Stewardship Council. So yeah. So FSC is basically fair trade for wood. And you, that has to do with um, illegally harvested wood or sustainably harvested wood, where they're basically replanting trees as they harvest them. Um, and... Yeah. You as like a wood maker, if you're, I mean, like, how would you order wood or because it's important to you that everything is sustainable, how do you reach out and like, just, is there like a whole organization that you work with or how does that work? So since I'm in LA, I actually have some pretty decent connections to these companies that um, sustainably harvest wood from urban lumber and urban, it's called urban forestry. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked with a company called um, Angel City Lumber, which is located in the downtown area, and they provide um, trees that are felled off the streets of LA that, or, or in the surrounding area. Then they bring it back to their um, warehouse where they kiln dry it, they saw it, and they sell it 
um, to uh, architecture firms, woodworking, craftspeople. I'm mm -hmm. one of them. Um, okay. And that way we know that trees that are going to be uh, sent to the trash we can reuse versus having to be part of a system that harvests trees for capital like a capital endeavor a tree falls down because <laughs> i'm thinking not everyone is a furniture oh, yeah. maker so a tree falls down or like we own a house right we don't own a house but i'm just saying like in this example we own a house we want to get rid of a tree we cut down the tree what do you do with that normally what happens is it goes to the wood chipper and then it gets ground up and then just tossed in the landfill that's uh, bullshit what the fuck yeah so it's a company angel that, like, city oh, lumber is the people that pick it up and repurpose it and sell it to artists or sustainable lumber users. Yes, exactly. I was taking notes. I'm so proud. <laughs> so that's kind of the best way to do it. Um, but outside of that, um, you, you do have to look for the labels when you go to the store. Um, I would avoid Home Depot and Lowe's because those are always questionable. Um, okay. So what? So like, if somebody is into getting lumber or they're building something or whatever for their garden, like, what would you, what what could you generally recommend for like their local whatever? A lot of local places are starting to like take down barns and stuff and reuse that wood too. Reusing right. old wood is the best way to do it. Um, but I know how the world work world works, and there's no other way. Just look for that label at the big box stores. Okay, and the label is supposed to say what? FSC certified. Okay, FSC certified. Okay, literally first time I've heard of this. Again, I can't reiterate enough. I don't know anything. And the more I do this podcast, I learn these like amazing things from people that care about these different niche things in different parts of the environment. And I feel like I don't know. It's amazing. I like how number seven on this list is mine, and it literally says learn more. <laughs> I'm doing my part, guys. Yeah. And number eight is for me, and I do my part, which is spread the word. Mm -hmm. What's the word? The word is be eco-friendly, bitch. Oh, okay. That's multiple words. <laughs> what a power move. What a power um, move. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm so glad we did this. I meant for it to be like a real quick thing, but like, I just love talking to you. I feel like we always have something to like, you know, discuss and whatever. I'm so glad that you were on the show and I'm just like elated beyond belief that we were able to do this. So, and thank you, Martin, for joining us. You were a total thank pro. You.